welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are candidates on the prairie, trying to sing a wayward, uh, wandering soul to sleep. Um, But we can't read the sheet music at all. Uh, Mm. So that's uh, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a major problem. So the only way for us to properly read and sweet our sultry siren song is by issuing a challenge. Each week you sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read a story, we talk about what we learn in reading it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Mm-hmm. You already know what it is. It's Do the Right Thing. Let's do the right thing, baby. Media production. Um, So I don't know if you noticed. uh, So my voice sounds even worse than when I had coronavirus. Mm. Uh, It's because my allergies, my cat allergies, because I have a cat. He was in my lap a second ago. And also just all throughout today are just so much worse right now. I don't understand how, why they're this bad. Huh? COVID-20? Yeah, COVID-20. This is actually, COVID-20 was inside of my cat's shitting fur. (laughs) The whole time. It's been unlocked. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and I'm now suffering. So, uh, yeah. So, if I sound weird or very sniffly or, or anything like that, that's, uh, that's what's going on. I'm just uh, having a bad reaction to the pet I've had inside of my house for two years. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we both probably sound quite tired because tomorrow is the first day of school. Which I Yay! forgot. So, Woo-hoo! thank you for thank you for uh, telling me that school starts this week. I thought it started next week, the week after. Of course. And I wasn't I... going to check. So <laughs> I thought so too, and I kind of do wish it because, um, I mean, I've done enough relaxing and doing absolutely nothing for so long, but honestly, it feels really good, and I kind of want to do that forever, but I can't because I have a career because we live in a money. society, yeah, 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 we live. In a capitalist demagogue society. Those words meant things. They definitely meant things. So Uh, so we're not not really going to talk about the thing in the capital. Uh, If a civil (laughs) war is happening by the time you hear this, we're sorry. We meant to report on that, but we hadn't checked Twitter in the last three hours. So really Mm -hmm. anything could have happened. Exactly. But if this is happening, I hope you stay safe. I hope you have your pepper spray and, and tasers, and I hope you're not in Texas, because we're going to be hit the worst. Although, if you're on the other side, I hope you die. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever side I end up on, I, I don't... There's probably a lot of sides if there's That's a true. civil yeah. war. And I mean, I might end up switching sides, so we will just have to see. Yeah, I'm going to start off as a double agent, and then I just have to find what team I want to be a double agent for, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah. So you, so you go into it with deception on the the mind, and you're like, and you're basically trying to find the best people to deceive. Yeah, who's who? War. Who should I sell out to? That's that's my question that I sure. go into any situation. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, it's a vital part about life, along with this week's words, which are <laughs> pigeon hunting. String and patient. Uh, yeah, what a, what a wonderful little set of words. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but more importantly, what's the what's the story we're talking about this week? The story we are going to be talking about this week is "The Night Came Slowly" by Kate Copian. Yeah, I, I'm not. Is that the way you're supposed to pronounce it? 
Uh, that's what I'm getting. I mean, I um read a couple of reviews for like this author because I haven't really read any of her work, but um, yeah, it seems that's how most people uh pronounce her name. So, uh, yeah, so she was uh one of the first feminist authors of the 20th century, according to uh americanliterature.com thank you americanliterature.com for providing this story to us um (laughs) so so uh in the late uh 1900s um and uh but a a lot of our works are pretty poetic like uh this one that we're going to be reading this week which is called the night came slowly which is uh it's really beautiful although it is very very short so um when we start reading we'll be we'll be back very quickly (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. um but all right let's get into this week's story sure sure can't wait to hear it This is The Night Came Slowly by Kate Copen. I am losing my interest in human beings, in the significance of their lives and their actions. Someone has said it is better to study one man than ten books. I want neither books nor men. They make me suffer. Can one of them talk to me like the night, the summer night, like the stars or the caressing wind? The night came slowly, softly, as I lay out there under the maple tree. It came creeping, creeping stealthily out of the valley, thinking I did not notice. And the outlines of trees and foliage nearby blended in one black mass, and the night came stealing out from them, too, and from the east and west, until the only light was in the sky, filtering through the maple leaves and a star looking down through every cranny. The night is solemn, and it means mystery. Human shapes flitted by like intangible things. Some stole up like little mice to peep at me. I did not mind. My whole being was abandoned in the soothing and penetrating charm of the night. The katydids began their slumber song. They are at it yet. How wise they are. They do not chatter like people. They tell me only sleep, sleep, sleep. The wind rippled the maple leaves like little warm love thrills. Why do fools cumber the earth? It was a man's voice that broke the necromancer's spell. A man came today with his Bible class. He is detestable with his red cheeks and bold eyes and coarse manner in speech. What does he know of Christ? Shall I ask a young fool who was born yesterday and will die tomorrow to tell me things of Christ? I would rather ask the stars. They have seen him. Nice, nice. What a fantastic and very sentimental story. Uh, I think something that I really like about this story is that it all feels like it's in this one single moment that this uh, main character is sort of going through all of these thoughts. And I, and I really do like what the message turns into towards the end, how it's this sort of... Um, struggle between normal life between people um and really finding answers and how those answers could possibly be in this sort of nature that feels more alive than any person that is that's mentioned so i mean overall i just really really liked it and also it's um short length really works in sort of um impacting the um reader and really giving us a strong message to leave with yeah i think it uh Talking about it as one moment, I think, is a really good example where um, it's, yeah, it's that, that realization as night falls and the stars come out 
and uh, reflecting on that in various ways. And yeah, I, I do think that the central sort of message here is definitely that the natural world um, being a better place for truth to come than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I especially really love that that ending um, where uh, what what does he know of Christ? You know, this this man that came with the Bible. Shall I ask a young fool who's born yesterday and will die tomorrow to tell me things of Christ? I would rather ask love the stars. They have seen him. Uh, mm-hmm. With like, yeah, the natural world and, and the stars and things have are much more enduring and, and uh, better no no better of reality than than humans can uh with our limited time yeah definitely definitely um i think going into personification this story really does show it really well i mean through and through we see how lively this nature is we can feel the um trees breathing we can see the age in the stars um to where throughout the the course of this short piece this this nature is so alive it feels like it's its own force it's it's its own being and i love how this nature is placed above everything else how um this is the truest world and that the world that we have created as humans is only a is, is only a fragment of what this true truth is um and i really do love how this nature is breathing how this nature, I can see it. I can feel it uh, within such few, within such few lines. So I think this is a great use of that personification to where this nature is being is being characterized very well. Yeah. Um, I, I I do very much note the idea you're talking about there about um, nature being personified and very much alive in in various ways um so i want to i want to run through them kind of and and look at all the the different ways that this talks about it so i mean we open here with uh, i'm losing my interest in human beings right so that's very much (laughs) like okay let's not talk about humanity let's talk about this this sounds like the first page in my middle school (laughs) journal yeah yeah so we have here um uh can one of them talk to me like the night the summer night right so we open there with uh, personification of the night uh with the next paragraph then going um uh, that it's uh it came creeping creeping stealthily out of the valley thinking uh-huh. i did not notice so that very much is is personifying the night as a, a thinking creeping thing yeah creeping uh, almost, almost like almost like a panther in a sense yeah although i was kind of almost viewing it almost playfully right mm-hmm, I see, um yeah. and later on you have the uh hu- when the night is solemn it means mystery these uh human shapes which i think are just like I- i'm not entirely sure but i i think just like parts of nature that like catch the eye right at night yeah uh, i was, they flitted I was by... thinking more on the terms of like maybe shadows that that are cast yeah, by yeah. the moons and how they kind of create their own beam in yeah a sense. but yeah. they they're not like any specific thing yeah uh, but some stole up like little mice to peep at me i did not mind um so y- y- this thing is like almost like playful and interested in in her too it's not mm-hmm. just like on its own it's it's paying attention to her uh like the katie did they then sing to her they don't chatter like people they only tell me sleep 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 which is a a very wise thing to say to her Mm -hmm. um so yeah so there's all these these wonderful things of like how uh 
nature or the natural world when i say nature i i really hate <laughs> i i've always hated um a lot of those sort of cliche messages like nature is actually you know the truest place for it but i, I think my my dislike of that is mostly just due to the word nature right because it's yes. very much like it describes oh the the trees and the the animals and stuff well it's actually a lot more than that it's just like the it's the, the, the the material reality that we are a part of mm-hmm. um like I, I mean i think a lot of messages about nature and stuff like that can also be applied to like if you look at what the material of a house is made of right if you really just pay attention to what it feels like you know n- not the natural not the not the human construction part but the just being completely in material reality right and, yeah and feeling it's, it's being present it's being yeah yeah grounded exactly in a sense yeah um i think uh, that is really compatible with most um uh themes about nature yeah and i think this story definitely really does show it i mean and i like do get what you're saying i mean i've i've read plenty of pieces about nature that feel very hackneyed because it tries so hard to talk about the the trees and oh how beautiful they are they've been there uh forever they're better than all of us but this one kind of pushes past all of the surface level observations of nature and paints it in this very abstract slash in impactful way to where nature feels more human than humans really do you know yeah it um, kind of does here too um yeah it, we're talking about personification personification it, you know it takes the form of using verbs that are normally used to describe uh, humans or uh, verbs and, and adjectives and using them to describe uh not human things right mm-hmm. uh, especially concepts or uh inanimate objects and, and things like that to really convey the the nuances so but then you have uh at the end here this uh preacher right a man came today with his bible class so came is like the one verb there right uh-huh. and then that's the last time that he's actually active um it, the, the next line is he's detestable with his red cheeks and bold eyes and coarse manner of speech mm-hmm. um so there's no like he, yeah he's a he's a human he's not described as like inhuman really but he's definitely not given an a active uh role here at all or anything like that it's sort of the opposite of personification to me yeah yeah definitely definitely and <clears throat> yeah i think this this story overall is just really effective in its prose i mean that's that's why we're able to really find these sort of small hints on how people aren't as personified as nature so yeah that is a perfect lead-in to what next week's challenge is going to be uh, which is personification basically taking some sort of inanimate object and uh making it come alive through very action-driven um verbiage well, it could be uh, in the verbs or it can be in the adjectives, right? Like mm-hmm. if you say something is, um, I don't know, what's a what's a human-centered adjective? I guess handsome or athletic, handsome. right? If you call yeah. the moon athletic, uh, that's a kind of personification. Ooh, I don't know what you would mean by that, but yeah. it, it would mean something. So it, this is one form of uh, figurative language, right? And I think it's a really versatile and useful one. So mm-hmm. when you're using a, a, a kind of personification in your story next week, um, I think there's a couple different angles you can do that. There's there's one which is uh, very much you take one example and you run it all the way through. Like if you're going to be talking about the moon, right? 
um mm-hmm. how are you personifying the moon and, and having the moon you know carry on throughout the entire story um is it like smiling is it uh you know laughing silently yeah. in the night is it, is it cheerful or whatever yeah um and uh running through it or you could take the idea of personification very literally which i i do want to stress this is not like the 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 theme is not to take a concept and then make it into a person and have it talk you can do that Uh but it's not the the intention is specifically just the idea of using the figurative language of personification so Uh sort of like leaving it as the con the 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 concept or object or whatever it is um but by describing it with this personification that's how you care across all those nuances so you could do the the one running it all the way through or you could just like in this story um describe a a sort of moment or just use the figurative language um to throughout your prose um to um just make it a lot more beautiful and, and conveying a lot more of the meaning um in in the small things Exactly. We are using crafts, people, and I hope that you use them wisely. <laughs> yeah. So, like a, another example, it, it's a very versatile skill, right? Yeah, um, because you can, uh, like, a group of people, right? A group of people is actually not a person, right? But you can describe it as a person, right? Is is a, a group of people roaring? Is a, a line of people snaking, or I guess not snaking, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is it um, jetting in and out zigzagging is it laughing is it roaring is it um sad is it um does it hate you uh that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely well all right thank you so much to kate copian for giving us a fantastic <laughs> story i wish you were able to make it to this podcast but we both know you were pretty busy today, so that is right. com- that is com- completely the, fine. Yeah, the yeah. grave for a yeah, hundred yeah. years. You know, uh, sometimes that keeps people from being on this podcast, which we get it. You know, it, it isn't the most important podcast. Out. Yeah, things do come out. Um, but I think this is the perfect time to roll on into our listener submitted stories section. That's right. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted your story. You are doing our our heart good. Um, so the stories we are going to be talking about today are by Sarah Penguin, Ace of Sword, Captain Rhino, Nick to you, and Mora Didamail. What a bunch of heroes. Uh, yeah, thanks so so much for uh, submitting your stories, y'all, and, and for using um, the, the, the prompt of Behind the Natural. That was, uh, it, it was very satisfying to see all the different ways that that was taken. Definitely, definitely. All right. Up first is Sarah Penguin with magical moo so this is a a very uh literal uh take on the idea of uh, behind the natural or, or that's not the right way to describe it but um very explicit version and i i really like it it's very fun um mm-hmm. so uh in this one a investigative journalist is here at the magical moo uh dairy farm uh which is uh sort of been exploding in, in popularity it's a bunch of dairy products all by the same company so he sneaks in and there is a man with a suit uh which we immediately get is a little spooky and uh um as he's gone in there's actually no cows anywhere there's there's all the material and all the equipment and stalls and everything but there's no cows to be seen until he puts on those glasses by uh that the man in the suit uh gives him 
and gets explained to him that actually in each of these stalls, as he can now see, are uh, transculent ghost cows, <laughs> <laughs> which are providing uh, a light milk. And he sort of uh, gives a, a tour to this uh, James, the, the journalist, uh, and how the, the, the poltergeist cows uh, give whipped cream, the banshees strawberry milk, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and on and on about each one of these uh, undead and spooky cows all give a different kind of milk. Um, and James is curious by what's going on. He doesn't quite understand. He doesn't really believe in it, even if he's seeing it. Um, and then eventually he comes to a door uh, that says experimental on it. Um, and he's told that there's nothing in it, but he opens it anyway. And uh, then he sees the most horrifying view of all, where the, where the other stuff was was rather silly. Um, but in this one, it's actually horrifying. He sees a, a woman that is uh, in, in a chamber with green liquid, and he's told that um, she's going to be providing baby formula, and then oh. he gets uh, murdered, basically, to just to, <laughs> just to finish off the story to, on a spooky note. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, I mean, I really liked this story. I mean, it was really playful. Uh, and I did like the twist of the supernatural. It, it really came out of uh, nowhere, but it seemed to fit really well into the uh, into the story that was being built. And I think the um, spooky twist at the uh, very end was a was a nice way to sort of top off this uh, this story. Um, it wasn't where I thought it was going to go, but overall, I, I really liked how this this story was written, and I do like how. Um, you really took this this prompt and uh, made a a supernatural backing to this very um, interesting occurrence. So really great job. Yeah, um, I can definitely picture how uh, the sort of ethics of a capitalist system using the the dead to mm-hmm. make to more products. products. So like even in their <laughs> yeah, even after death, you still they, they their suffering still does not end. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I also really like the the ending, which uh, went from silly to serious, and I think it was a good way to. Um, it didn't feel out of place, even if it was a big tone shift. So yeah, I, I think that was really well done. Definitely, definitely. So really great job. And uh, up next is Ace of Sword with Road Trip. So uh, here we have uh, Courtney who is driving, and we can immediately tell that she is. Um, very paranoid and she's she's talking about how she can't pull over because then she'll be attacked by something uh she'll be chased away from her car um so she's afraid that she'll be uh, chased away from her car by some sort of monster or or freak or crazed person but um she's very confident that she'd be able to deal with it she'd be able to come back uh, but it would take the whole night at the very least which would suck (laughs) but anyway um we sort of uh, reflect as she's driving um, uh, and she's trying to get to this meeting where she's going to see, uh, receive a book. And, uh, but she reflects upon how throughout her entire life, there's been these horrible events, horror movie events, basically, mm-hmm. even in her childhood. Um, but she always consistently got away from them um, over and over again. And uh, that's, <laughs> that's sort of skimming through a lot, but yeah, the idea of always there is something that, that would try to get her. Um, but now she is trying to make it to this meeting with some of her online friends who have found a book titled The Essentials, uh, which mm-hmm. are going to teach her everything she needs to know and explain why she's constantly being uh, attacked by things. 
Yeah, definitely. So I uh, really liked this story. I mean, at first, uh, I thought that the fear of uh, of uh, Courtney was kind of misplaced. I mean, of I mean, it is very natural to be scared on these long roads, but I wasn't really sure why she was scared until after I uh, read further. I kind of realized that things like bad things typically happen to her very often, um, and I really do like how this sort of unwarranted fear is kind of shown to be to really be true at at least to this main character and i do kind of like how where this story ended and i uh like the idea of a of a character basically um attracting hostility towards them and i think that this story worked out very well and i uh really liked it so really great job yeah, so I have uh, I have two things to talk about. One is just to point out uh, and and say how much I enjoyed this as uh, packed uh, or or pale fan fiction, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Asa sort talks about how this is basically like a like a character concept piece to describe their character. So they're actually going to be playing uh, Courtney, which I think is really really cool. Um, but she is a, a non um, magical person that the universe has basically designated as a victim. Um, so basically whenever there is a, a group of monsters or anything like that nearby, she will be the target. And I, I presume that, um, whatever the forces that basically designate her to be a victim also say that she should not be murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to continue her use, I guess. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, so I thought that was really, really fun. Um, one thing I wanted to see more of uh, Courtney's, you know, feelings about this, and maybe is there some part of her that actually like does cause, you know, her victimhood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the universe has designated her a victim, and like in real life, we sort of get people like that. Um, but like, why is it that that's the case, right? So, and this is sort of an example of at least one place where she was like way too brave, and she shouldn't have. She she walked into a broken down house, and then she was like a attacked by a monster in there um but uh like what is the thing that in real life we would say how would we victim blame is is i guess my my question <laughs> yeah. which i think would be i think that would be a fun little addition in there mm-hmm. definitely um, definitely uh yeah because uh, i mean yeah, it's it just, was that's know. all i got on that oh yeah because I, th- I think it'll be pretty hard to uh live life when you're always taunting um, right so yeah, but but really great story. And uh, up next is Captain Rhino with Treasure and Trash. So this is a, a fun story. Ashley in this uh, wakes up to a sock on her face, uh, which huh. is smelling, so it's not like a clean sock. Uh, but we see that she is surrounded by a bunch of eight-inch tall blue furred with uh, claws, the prehensile tail, um, selkies, or silkies is what it says. Not mm-hmm. selkie as in the, uh, the, the mermaid horse that kills people. Um, which is a fun, uh, I think it's Irish or Scottish. One of those two. I, I always so. get those mixed up. That's pretty, pretty bad. I shouldn't do that. Stupid <laughs> English col- colonialism making me forget which is which. Anyway, um, Ashley is a witch and she's cast 
she has cast a spell, uh, the spell of self-sufficiency at some point, not the only witch to do this, that summons all these silkies to, uh, well, presumably they, they go out into the world and steal a bunch of things for her every single morning <laughs> and then uh, take all the stuff uh, away after she's used them. And uh, it, it's pretty funny because as she's dressing up, she's dressing up in all this, you know, gigantic mess of mismatched things. Her socks wear different things. She's wearing two t-shirts. And <laughs> um, just, it, she kind of, you know, looks like a, a mess is the idea. She, uh, there's a really funny moment where she goes to the fridge and inside the fridge, a courtesy of the Silkies, there is a uh, Tupperware, uh, this is Paul's Pigeon Pasta, Do Not Steal, <laughs> <laughs> which it was stolen, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's uh, some nice coloring of her interactions with them. She kind of, uh, orders them around, but she also does praise them when, uh, they do what she wants, uh, even though they don't really understand, uh, human needs and stuff like that. But she, um, she's a, she's a witch and, uh, she, what she really wants is, uh, spell ingredients and things, but they, they can't receive that. So she's kind of preparing for that. And we see a little bit more of, of the magic as they bring her several strange enchanted things, mm-hmm. um, but uh, at the very end, she decides, uh, you know, she's going to continue on her work. And it's a very, very cute scene of her daily rituals. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think this story has really great world building. I mean, it does a great job at really uh, convincing me of this very strange situation that this witch Ash, uh, Ashley has uh, put her, herself in. And I think this story has really great uh, comedic moments that really made me smile while while also, you know, wanting to learn more about sort of how these silkies are really stealing stuff and like why. Um, and I mean, overall, I think this is just a, a really great piece that um, does really explain why I am always missing my left sock. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So I, I just I'm just realizing that was kind of a, a response or or. or. It, it ties into the to the example we were yeah. using about why does the the socks disappear? I guess it's Silky's bringing it to witches. That's yeah, fun. exactly. And yeah, uh, I mean, as you said, I thought that was really fun. I think it uh, really took this challenge and uh, gave us a really uh, nice piece of work. So fantastic job overall, all around. Yeah, and I like how uh, Ashley is characterized by her interactions with the the Silkies mm-hmm. um, and how she like doesn't really care where they're getting the stuff. Um, but she, you know, is idly musing about it. <laughs> exactly. Well, all right. Up up next is Nick to you with Thunder. Uh, so this is a, another pretty cool story. So we have a, a child here uh, who's upset that she's uh, going to have to go home, even though a storm is about to happen. She really likes storms. And, and I like that we are told that without even uh, we, 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 we realize that without having it be told to us mm-hmm. uh, just by how much she wants to stay out here. Uh, but everyone, I guess, at like a, a soccer field or school or something like that is uh, rushing home, except for this one kid who is out in the middle of the field with a kite. And she goes over, um, introduces herself, and they start talking a little bit. It's a wonderful little kid interaction where they are immediately sort of fighting about it and stuff. But uh, Bjorn, the, the kid in the field with the kite, says that uh, he's not scared of lightning because... Uh, you can aim lightning that that makes it safe and uh melody our main character is confused about the about this how you do it and he says you use a kite you just have to send it up and you can direct the lightning and so basically that starts uh happening he starts sending it further and further in a sort of childish you know back and forth between the two until eventually lightning does strike it goes uh from his eyes down his hands and up the string of the kite 
and then strikes in the middle of the park. Um, her mom, uh, Melody's mom, comes in and gets her right away. Um, Bjorn says goodbye and uh, hopes that they'll see each other again. Uh, her mom describes how uh, when there's a storm, we leave before there's rain because lightning is really, really dangerous, especially in an open field. You, it'll hit the tallest thing and you're the tallest thing in the field. Except Melody thinks not if it's aimed right, uh, reflecting on her, her friend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought this was a really nice story. Um, going into it, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I really do like the work that's being done with the uh, main character of Melanie here. And I do really like her curiosity towards this uh, kid Bjorn, which I'm not sure what Bjorn is, uh, <laughs> to uh, be able to aim aim lightning. Um, but yeah, overall, I just I just really liked it, and I thought it was it was uh, spaced out really well. I think that the format did did help in sort of like us breaking apart certain certain uh, certain sections so that we can really um, I don't know it's it's broken up in a way that it's easy to digest. Um, and yeah, I think it's overall written very, very well. And uh, I think the the ending is shocking. It is not the, the <laughs> twist I thought it bad would pun. be. Bad pun. Bad <laughs> pun. Quite bad pun. Um, but yeah, it um, wasn't the twist that I thought it would be, but I really did like it. So great job. Yeah. Um, so uh, just to, to point out, the, the breakage that uh, Jarvis is talking about is that basically every sentence is on its own. Uh, rarely is there paragraphs that are more than one sentence, uh-huh. which, yeah, I think that did the pacing good. I would have, um, I don't know, like to have more of an insight on what Bjorn is or what the connection between Melody and, and Bjorn is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could also just be me missing it because I'm not paying enough attention. But um, I really, really... Did like the story and i love the interaction between them 100 <laughs> all right our final story for this week is by mora did with alice and uh, we can really tell that this is a sci-fi story because alice has uh periods between each uh-huh. letters it's actually an acronym um or what initialism is that the right word uh, uh, i don't know like like nasa nasa is an in- initialism mm-hmm. uh if it's pronounceable i think it's a initialism if it's not then it's an acronym like the uh NAACP is uh, an acronym. Uh-huh. It's, if Knack. it was initialism, you would say NACM. NACM. Uh, NACM, yeah. Anyway, uh, so here we have uh, our, our uh, main character, Sophie. She is, um, uh, we can tell that she's she's at least a teenager, right? She's sitting with her father. They're kind of uh, grown up. And they sort of have reminisce for just a second in a very idle way. Um, and we can see some of their a little bit of their their connection right here at the beginning where they talk about the uh how she used to take her coffee with uh, so much sugar that it was like nine parts sugar more or one part coffee um it's a cute little um interaction but immediately in um sophie's head we can see actually how um she kind of doesn't like her father or in, in a lot of ways or at least can very much see him for the for the flawed human that he is like every other you know person mm-hmm. um and she starts, um, she asks him if he remembers Alice and she reflects on how uh, in her childhood, her, her dad brought home a ton of cameras from her work or from his work and put them up everywhere and uh, uh, basically put in this uh, program that identifies whatever Alice, the, the, the program sees. Um, and at first it was really fun with uh, 
Sophie, you know, playing around in different ways and uh, just enjoying seeing Alice different things. But eventually actually turned out that uh, Alice, when uh, Sophie was doing anything bad, would document it and show it to her father. And she was punished for all these things that uh, she did when her dad wasn't around. Mm -hmm. And um, so we we very much see the injustice of this in in this childlike view. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we flash forward back to the or not flash forward. We get back into the scene and uh he says that or, or she says that how um that was kind of messed up he shouldn't have done that but doesn't go into detail and uh he sort of feels bad about it a little bit but not really um but uh then sophie says well at least it prepared me for you know and then we pan out to see this this final twist uh dad sweating as he looks at the cameras outside and everywhere that are always watching them mm. another uh the the advancement of alice in the modern day no longer watching children but watching everyone yeah so honestly i think this is a really great story ripe with layers and and twists i mean i like how at the end of the day, the main focus is this connection between father and daughter. Yeah. But I think this addition of um, Alice definitely um, instills this sort of distrust be be uh, between them, and really does make you kind of question uh, a a lot of things. I mean, what is what is too far when it comes to watching your um child, and should they be punished based off of things that you know you didn't you didn't personally witness? Um, and I really like how this story kind of remains there for a while as we go through the history of um, Alice along with the history of the mother, uh, uh, along with the history of the father and daughter. And I think the twist at the very end just shows us what, what, the, what the dangers of um, tech are. Um, this reminds me a lot of that uh, Disney Channel movie Smart, uh, Smart House. um almost to a to a t through and through um but overall i just really like this um piece of uh, this piece of sci-fi that is a nice mix of that sci-fi while while also focusing very well on these characters yeah um it has a, a bunch of different things that it's um uh, talking about here all these different concepts, uh, which uh, Matt more more did a mail at the end talks about how uh, he's using the Chinese social credit system, um, an AI that can correctly identify human activities, and the idea of automating parts of parenting. So there's a lot in here. Um, it, so it's a, yeah, it's a really good sci-fi story in that um, taking all these examples of technology and putting them in a different situation rather than just the obvious. Right? How would a kid react to this? How do you feel when a kid is the one that is um, I don't want to say suffering from, but uh, dealing with this kind of surveillance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you reflect on it in different ways. And I, I think absolutely the, what you were talking about, about connecting with the, the, the primary thing being the connection between father and daughter, I think is, is definitely very important here. And I, I could see how their uh, relationship changed from um, back when they played around a lot and she was delighted with this new Alice thing and she used to put so much sugar in her coffee and they have that little, you know, joking connection. Mm-hmm. But nowadays she views him as passive aggressive and just patient, but actually um, she, yeah, she just doesn't like him because of these betrayals mm-hmm. um, and uh, providing one way that uh, this, this sort of, uh, 
this sort of sense of justice of, of watching is actually makes you feel really bad and ruins that connection. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. So really great story. All right. That's all for our listener submitted stories for this week. But we do want to give a big old do the right thing. Thank you to everyone who did submit a story this week. So thank you very much to Sarah Penguin. Thank you to Ace of Sword. Thank you, Captain Rhino. Thank you, Nick, to you. And thank you, Maura Didamail. Thank you so much for leaving your story. And also, we would like to say thank you to everyone who did leave two or more comments. Leaving comments not only helps you put all of your thoughts on your own story into one solid phrasing, but uh, but it is also providing someone else with crucial feedback that can make them and you a better writer. So... Thank you very much to Nick, to you, and, a- and Ace of Sword. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Yeah, y'all did a fantastic job. And I saw plenty of others from, from different people. Uh, but I recommend, yeah, just leave one more. And then you get that added entry. And, and uh, you ensure that you can help out another person with uh, with their story in addition to your own. Exactly. Um, before we go into all of the um, the outro stuff, Jarvis, I want to announce the the winners of uh, next uh, of the Do the Right Thing contest. Woo, I'm excited. Yeah, so it finished just a couple days ago, the the, the voting. Um, and I'm so excited to announce the the, the winners um, that did so, so well. Um, there was really, really great stories, and uh, I, I loved reading them. Uh, and it's really fantastic to see the ways that y'all improved um, from your initial writing to uh, the edited version. That was really, really cool to see. And I'm, I'm very excited for the next contest where we get even more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um remember remembering that the well i guess i'll announce it as we go through so in first place we have calanero 985's the reaper and the dancer a uh, fantastic story that one um in second place there is the chess machine by matt said words who um uh said that story in just a just a couple weeks ago like a month or so ago i think um and then sharing in, in third place as it was a tie there is clean thoughts by captain rhino and disconnect by haunt of the heron so first place wins a hundred dollars second place 75 and third place 25 um so thanks to so much to everyone who submitted and everyone who spent the time to read and vote on those stories uh that was it was really good to see the the vote count go up over time mm-hmm. um and if you haven't read those stories yet go and and read them all of them because they're they're really really good and they are on the um, doof media patreon um so just scroll down a bit and you can you can see them there um uh additionally um so uh, the the plan is to read at least two of these stories we'll we'll be reaching out to all the winners to make sure to y'all get your winnings and stuff and to make sure that y'all are okay with uh being read um on the podcast but yeah the intention is to read some of these uh fantastic stories next week mm-hmm. and i am excited for that <clears throat> If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, you can you can do that by going to Reddit on slash r slash do the right thing. All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and write a complete short story using three or four words from that week. That's right. And if you want to see the words as soon as they come out, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at RightThingCast. You can even uh, turn on notifications for us. Uh, hit that bell, uh, which uh, I mean, like, yes. I don't normally do that for many things because, you know, it's annoying to see all those tweets all the time. But we only tweet like once a week, right? So <laughs> what's the harm? Go ahead and hit that bell. Um, just so you, you see it as soon as it comes out. Um, you can also send us an email at rightthinkcast at gmail.com and just tell us uh, how you're doing. What are you writing about? What's up? How's it going? <laughs> how you doing? 
Mm-hmm. And if you want to support us and everything else happening in Doof Media, you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. All you have to do is donate $10 or more per month, and you will get access to the Doof Media Discord along with very special bonus content. So uh, the the Doof Media Game Club was just uh, last week, and it was super, super fun, um, covering Baba Is You, a wonderful little puzzle game, and also announcing the, the game for this month, which is actually going to be uh, Celeste, uh, a uh, queer uh, puzzle, or not puzzle game, uh, platformer. Uh, that has uh, talks a lot about trans experience and it's about climbing a mountain and it's it's really well known to be uh, a wonderful game um it's going to be a special uh game club this month it's especially focused on queer games and it'll be actually the the first game club with a with a guest with um um elliot uh not elliot from deep impact but the the, uh other one (laughs) that's well Mostly known on the uh, the Discord, Elliot Harriman. Anyway, she uh, she's a, a small game developer and she does some some really great work. But um, uh, anyway, so she'll she'll be on that, and I'm very excited to to hear her talk and stuff. So uh, that will be in uh, a whole month. But of course, there's so much else going on at Doof Media. Kingslingers does go on covering many many books. So actually, consider going through if you if you've read or watched anything of Stephen King, going through that episode list to see if they have uh, covered some of your uh, favorite stuff yet. Um, and other shows like Much to Say and Pale Reflections and so many wonderful things. Exactly. Well, all right. Do you think it's time to get into next week's words? That's right. So remembering that the prompt uh, for next week is personification. What are the words for this week? I am so glad that you asked. Um, next week's words are athlete, fountain, attention, and eavesdrop. So athlete as in someone who is fit and uh, usually um, some sort of sports does- ball player. Yeah, so it does uh, some sort of athletic activity as a um, hobby or, or profession. Mm-hmm. Um, a fountain, which is uh, a something that has water going up and then down. There's mm-hmm. an, or there's many different forms that fountains take. Fountain of youth. Fountain. Fountain of uh, yeah. disease. Yep. It could be a natural fountain. Oh, it, it could be a verb. Things can fountain out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, attention, which is. Um, the the focus that a, a person has uh the military tells soldiers to to have a, attention to do the whole attention thing anyway. <laughs> yes they do. Uh, and so that's what that is and then eavesdrop which is to sneakily hear someone else's words mm-hmm. ideally without their knowledge and i do that all the time that's weird you shouldn't do that oh okay so <laughs> tell me what story are you gonna write next week um so i'm going to i'm going to stick to to reels in this time okay. i'm going to be uh talking about um an athlete at the olympics um coming up uh so uh they trained for so very long and what they were going to do actually was do every single sport um so they uh they declared their own nation so they could um ensure that they were in every single sport they don't do the team sports that's they, they, they did uh kind of that but they are you know doing gymnastics they're sprinting they are um running uh fast um but um as they are 
uh, on the first night of the, the, the big games, the night before, actually, um, they are walking around when something catches their attention. There's some people talking by the waterfront and they eavesdrop. Mm. And uh, these people talk about how actually uh, this very athlete is actually a moron because they uh, they spend themselves super thin and now they are not trained enough to do to win anything. Um, and the athletes really pissed off about this. And the next day when the games start, they um, they lose everything. Uh, and they just they lose the uh, the whole time, um, and it's really embarrassing. Oh, I'm so sad. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, mine's oh, oh everything's moving. Okay. <laughs> um, so mine's not going to be as um, dark and depressing and sad as your story, even though your your story is probably going to be a a bit better. But um, okay. for mine, I'm going to go back into my uh, repertoire to an old screenplay that I that, that I used to have named Toxic Flamingo. Now, this story follows a tiny post-punk neo-punk band made up of pink lady Kate Sticks, Dazen Dukes, and Mark. And you see, this trio of four... They are on the warpath, hitting every single last battle of the bands they they can possibly hit. Everyone, as soon as they hit that stage, garnering all of their attention towards them and their sweet, sultry, and aggressive beats. Now, you see, everyone that is a part of this band has had previous lives. I mean, for... For Pink Lady, she used to be a star athlete for the lacrosse team, but had to put up her sticks because her legs weren't as strong as her voice is now. And and on this sort of and on this sort of warpath that they have through the South, they they end up going to this one bar, a a biker bar, but. They didn't know that that it was also a neo-Nazi bar, and they didn't figure this out until by a very old and, and rusty fountain out front, they all eavesdropped and and heard about a, a silent plot to take them out. Wow. Yeah. Life imitates art. It does. It does. And life also imitates green room <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so um just like how that story should be going do the right thing and punch your local nazi do the right thing and punch your local nazi have a have a good civil war yes and please uh make sure you're on the wrong side